I want to um, begin a series today called Ghost in the House. Everybody say Ghost in the House. And now this particular series has been something that has been stirring in me for probably a year that I've wanted to share with you and haven't really felt the, the okay to do it. I try to be as prayerful as I can, as thoughtful as I can. We discuss as a team. and It, it had been on my heart and through several people, I felt it was confirmed to open up the seals on the word that I want to share with you for the next four to five weeks that I think will help all of us uh, about the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the challenges of pastoring uh, so many different people and so many different backgrounds and so many different beliefs and so many different uh, theologies and doctrines and backgrounds and denominations. If I were to go around the room today, I could probably find people from the charismatic background. I could probably find people from the Pentecostal background, people from the Episcopalian, the Mennonite, the Baptist, uh, the uh, whoever else. <laughs> and we are oftentimes, many of us represented in here right now. And one of the challenges of pastoring so many different people is that when you use certain words, when you use certain words, they, they can trigger different responses and different reactions. So there are people in the room today when you hear the word or the term Holy Spirit. There are different reactions to that term. Some think it's just a churchy word and they don't really know what it means. They Father, Son, and then the third, Holy Spirit. They don't really know. They're, there's no definition for them. For others, they understand it to be a spiritual energy of God. They're, maybe they're unclear on really what is the Holy Spirit. For others, when they hear the term Holy Spirit, they get really excited. Because they grew up maybe how I grew up, where it's, we're going to bust out tambourines in a minute. Somebody get a flag, somebody, if, if your mama's got a snake, let her bring it in, and I'm just joking, we weren't that crazy. Uh, they do that in Alabama, but we don't do that in Mississippi. Um, for some, it's excitement. For some, it is a, it's a beautiful thing. For some, it was an amazing experience that they've had, maybe when they were at youth camp growing up, or Maybe the church they grew up in, or maybe when they were driving, they've had encounters and moments with the Holy Spirit, and they're excited about this series, and they're like, let's go, Pastor, and, and, and they're like, you, you're not fast enough, we got to get faster, and we got to get louder, and we got to get weirder, and then there are the people in the room that are uncomfortable, that are, that are uneasy, because the same reason that would excite some people <laughs> with the snakes and the tambourines and the screaming and the running, scares other people. Come on, let's be honest today. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I just want to take some time to go through this series with you today because before we rush to our conclusions about what the Holy Spirit is, I think it's important that all of us start with what does the word of God say about the Holy Spirit? Not necessarily what did mama say or what did denominational headquarters put in their pamphlet for the denomination you come out of. 
Let's go directly to what does the Word of God say about the Holy Spirit. Can we do that today? Good, good, good. Thanks there, Pastor Josiah. I do want to start by saying when you hear the term Holy Spirit, I grew up where people would say Holy Ghost more than they said Holy Spirit. And to say Holy Spirit was more watered down version of, it's just, this is a really interesting topic we're discovering today. The word spirit and ghost are the exact same, by the way, in the Bible. They're just interchanged with translations used. They both mean the exact same thing in the Greek. It, it really refers to wind or spirit or um, like a breeze could even be referred to as the Holy Spirit. Let me show you a few verses. Luke chapter four, verse one. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Acts chapter two, verse four. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter four, verse eight. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter seven, verse 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 13, verse nine. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with Acts chapter 13, verse 52, and the believers were filled with joy and with the? Here's my first point if you're taking notes. Number one, we need the Holy Spirit. If all of those individuals we just referenced needed the Holy Spirit then, how much more do we need the Holy Spirit now? And I want you to hear me today that the best life is a Holy Spirit-filled, Holy Spirit-led, Holy Spirit-empowered life. I heard somebody say, do you need to be Holy Spirit-empowered to get to heaven? And I heard somebody say back, honey, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Kroger. Can I get an amen? You definitely need the Holy Spirit. You're gonna drive down 45 in Columbus, Mississippi. I saw they put new white lines. You see that? We're going places. We are changing things. Without the Holy Spirit, the scriptures teach us that Christianity becomes dry, monotonous, mundane. Without the Holy Spirit, our labor is draining and wearisome. Without the Holy Spirit, we would be operating in totality on our own resources, our own efforts. We would have no internal conviction of sin. We would have no transformation in our life to be in the image of Christ. We could not understand the scriptures fully. We would have no internal guide. We would not be able to find the truth. We would have no internal comforter, nor an intercessor, or an, a counselor. We would be totally on our own, our own efforts, and we would be all that we would have. There would be nothing else, and so many more things can be said if we decide to live our lives without the Holy Spirit. Charles Spurgeon, one of the baddest preachers that ever lived, said, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind. We are useless. And not only do we need the Holy Spirit in our personal day-to-day -day lives, not only do we need the Holy Spirit to be a part of our day-to-day decision-making and raising our children and running a business and and just living day-to-day -day life, because how many of you know, that's what the Holy Spirit's for as well. It's not just for church. 
But in addition to the day-to-day life, we do need the Holy Spirit to be in our services. We want to have a church that is Holy Spirit empowered, Holy Spirit filled. That when you come to Vibrant, my prayer is, our prayer is as a team, that when you leave, that you can't really put your finger on what that was all about. You could say, was it the worship team? I mean, they were good, but I, I don't know how I saw three rows down a grown man wiping tears. Was it the preacher? What was it, the park? What was the it factor? And I've come to tell you today, that's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's the anointing. I do not have any intention on pastoring a church that just has all the right mechanics. I need the Holy Spirit in my church. I, I got to be in a church where the Spirit of God is welcome. Am I talking to anybody? When we remove the Holy Spirit from a church, one of two things will happen. Number one, it will morph into a social club. And number two, it will become a religious institution where we gather and check the box off and people come, they file in, they file out. No life change, no salvation, no lives being changed, nobody growing, nobody hungry, nobody being transformed into the image of Christ, but this just becomes a social gathering where we see other people, where we can meet single women and we can make business connections. Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about. But the church was not created to be that way. Leonard Ravenhill is, again, one of the other baddest preachers that ever lived. He said, the church used to be a lightning bolt. Now it's a cruise ship. We are not marching to Zion. We are sailing there with ease. In the apostolic church, it says that they were all amazed. And now in our churches, everybody wants to be amused. The church began in the upper room with a bunch of men agonizing. And it's ending up in the supper room with a bunch of people organizing. We mistake rattle for revival, and commotion for creation, and action for unction. A.W. Tozer, the third baddest preacher I want to talk about today, he said, if the church, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. In our planning as a team here at the church, I want you to understand because many of you are not a part of our meetings and you don't get to see on the inside. But I hope that our staff would concur with what I'm going to stay, say is that we do want a church where the Holy Spirit is evident in everything we do. <laughs> many times with Pastor Tyson, we have met. Is this not the truth? And he'll be like, what do you think? What, 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 do you want anything changed? You want to do this? And how many times have I sat there and like, keep that team humble, because that's where the anointing comes from. I don't, you know, I'm not sitting here like, what if we move the worship person three more feet this way, because that will really explode the church. Or what if we turn the drums just a tad and see this light, look, it's beaming. This will do it, Pastor Tyson. Get more of these. People love these. And I'm okay with all this. There's nothing wrong with these things that we use for the glory of God. But as I've told you before, we use them for the glory of God, but they are not the glory of God. Well, I talked to Pastor Tyson many, many times. How much of our conversation is just around the Spirit of God, the anointing, the presence of God? Because we know 
that we don't want to just entertain for 25 minutes and then everybody go home and say, wow, was it? we don't want to just get a bunch of posts saying we were awesome on Monday. We want heaven to lean down on Sunday and say, I see what's happening. I'll put my hand on that. Wednesday is my personal study day. That's where I take really no meetings. To do, I do the best I can to, uh, to uh, be alone in my study. I, I spend hours in there. It's my favorite day of the week. Miss Lindsay, who's our assistant, she brings me a, what is the name of that dish from the taco truck? It's just a steak quesadilla. <laughs> now, what about the other place? El, what's the, what? Number 83, what's the name of that restaurant? What's the name? All these, every word in Mississippi is hard to say. I don't know. Mi Sandy, Mi Hacienda, number 83, everybody. That's the Wednesday study day. Every sermon comes from a number 83. That's what I get on lunch on Monday or Wednesday. I should do Monday too now that I think about it. But in my study, a preacher told me one time, study yourself full. Study yourself full. So I love books, I love research. I take a lot of time to do that, study myself full. The next step is to think yourself clear, and the last step is to pray yourself hot. That's what a pastor told me. So that's the steps I take every week, because if I just come in with a full head and just relay information, it will only touch the head. But if something's born in the heart, Something's born in the spirit. It will touch your spirit, and it could change your life. So not that I'm trying to put other ministers down that may do these things, but my pastor trained me to, to not download stuff on Google and preach it to your church. My pastor trained me to go into the secret place and open the books and spend time with God, get it burning inside of you, Another bad preacher again once said that in all you're getting, getting, get an unction. I can't preach if I don't feel the unction to preach. So many Saturday mornings, I study on Wednesday, and then on Saturday mornings, I come in here and I clear my head, and then it's time to pray, and it's time to move thoughts and research this and look at this and listen to that and think about this, and I just get it in my heart to get the unction because if it's not alive in me, it won't do anything in here. I gotta get it on the inside. So by the time I get to the pulpit, I can't wait to get up there because something on the inside of me, I've got the unction. It's the Holy Spirit, that drive, that, that push. And when you get that thing on the inside, I'm just helping you. If anybody wants to be a preacher, I'm going to help you right now. It is so important that when you get that thing on the inside of you that's so alive, that's squirming, that you cannot wait to get it to the flock, to feed the people of God, to tell the people online about the Holy Spirit. When you just cannot wait, you know you got to pray yourself hot because at the end of the day, it's not by might and it's not by power. It's by His Spirit. And if the Word's going to make 
make a difference, if the church is going to make a difference, if the worship is going to make a difference, we got to realize we didn't come with excellency of speech, as Paul said, but in the demonstration of the Spirit, so that your faith will not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Pardon me, I'm just quoting the Bible to you. Somebody say, we need the Holy Spirit. Salvation was God's greatest gift to humanity. But the Holy Spirit is God's greatest gift to the church. We need the Holy Spirit. Now allow me to take you to the book of Acts chapter one to give you some, where did, we, where did this all start? Acts chapter one, the Bible lets us know Jesus has been crucified. He is now raised from the dead. And this is what happens. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. In other words, um, by many, what King James calls infallible proofs, like undeniable, here I am, I'm alive. Appearing to them during 40 days. That's important, 40 days. And speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse four, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard of me, meaning I've spoken about this gift from the Father before. If you look into John chapter 14, 15, and 16, Jesus takes time to articulate that we need the Holy Spirit. And he actually says, it is expedient or to your advantage that I go away because if I don't leave, the Holy Spirit can't come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will not just be on you, but he will be within you. This is foreign. They've never heard this before. You've heard me talk about this. For John the Baptist, Jesus' first cousin, baptized with water, but you will be baptized. The word baptized means to immerse in the Greek. It is the word baptizo. He says, with the Holy Spirit, not many days from right now. Now, we know that from the death of Jesus to the resurrection was three days. From resurrection to ascension, according to this verse and other verses, 40 days, okay? We're at 43 days. Now, I want you to look at this. We know that from the ascension to Pentecost, the scripture teaches that Leviticus in chapter 23 teaches that from the first fruit, the feast of first fruits, which was the day Jesus died. This is deep. Stay with me. I'm not sure I'm with me. The first, when Jesus died, was the feast of first fruits. The scripture teaches that on Pentecost, the feast of Pentecost is to be 50 days. The Pentecost word means 50. If you're like scared to death of what Pentecost means, 50. In those 40 days before Jesus ascends, leaves those 10 days, in those 40 days, the Bible documents that Jesus appeared 12 separate times to people, one of which was found in 1 Corinthians 15, 6. I want to show it to you. 
Paul is writing. He says he was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture says. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of which at the time of this writing are still alive, though some have died. Okay, so we have 50 days from death to Pentecost. In those 40, within the 50, he has shown himself to over 500 people. Now, take me back to the verse, media people. I didn't tell you he's gonna do this. Take me back to the verse, uh, chapter one, verse four, if you can. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Okay, that sentence, many theologians believe when he spoke this, 500 people heard this. Many people believe that when Jesus is giving this command, this wasn't just to the 12. This is to hundreds of people heard Jesus say, do not leave Jerusalem without the Holy Spirit. Am I helping you? We're teaching for a minute. Jesus looks at them and says, to 500 people, do not leave home without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? All right, now let's jump. Acts chapter number two. When the day of Pentecost came, the feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, when you look here in Acts, the scripture lets us know that in the book, in the upper room where the Holy Spirit falls, there's 120. How many of you ever heard that? 120 in the upper room, right in the same chapter. Jesus commanded 500 to not leave without the Holy Spirit. But the day of Pentecost comes, only 120 are present. So now we have 380 people who heard the command of that you need the Holy Spirit in your life. We have 380 people that are missing in action, that have seen Jesus, heard his command, why wouldn't 380 who were at one point convinced that Jesus was alive and was asked by Jesus to go and wait on the Holy Spirit, how did 380 not make it to the upper room? Here, here's, here's, our, here's our idea today. Because some people don't want the Holy Spirit. I want you to stay with me. I believe there are three reasons in today's culture why people don't want the Holy Spirit. Here's three reasons. And allow me to just talk through this. You guys good? Write this down. Number one, poor representation of the Holy Spirit. Poor representation of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to pastor you for a few minutes, so I want you to listen. This is where people are exaggerated. They are strange. They do weird stuff. All in the name of the Holy Spirit. 
And I was raised in extreme excess where we were very eccentric. We were very loud, which is, you know, there's nothing against that. I like it a little loud. But as I got older, I found that maybe those eccentric moments that we enjoyed as people who were conditioned and trained and raised in that could be pushing away people who could want the Holy Spirit. Good, well-meaning people just maybe going a little too far. Am I helping anybody right now? Y'all dead quiet. And many people are afraid, will the Holy Spirit make me do weird things? So if I, if I embrace this teaching you're giving, Pastor Ethan, like, am I gonna have to do weird things? Let me tell you something. Um, yeah, the Holy Spirit will make you uh, forgive your ex-wife. The Holy Spirit will make you write a check to your church. The Holy Spirit will make you love your wife and your kids. That's weird stuff. But, but I want to go a little further. I, I think there are people who, and I've been raising this, I, I want you to listen to me. I've been raising this, this is a topic I feel I have the authority to speak on. Because I don't come from it to deconstruct the Holy Spirit in totality. Because my first point was, we need the Holy Spirit. But what I'm trying to do is trying to handle error and abuses. Now listen close. Many people will say, I can't help it. I've heard people say that. I can't help it. This is just when the Holy Spirit gets on me, I'm going to do something crazy. So you'll hear people scream like they're being murdered, and I'm not being, not being funny. I'm just being honest. Scream like they're going to be murdered. There's some people who will yell things out. I've literally seen people shake and rattle and knock drums over, and I promise you, all in the name of the Holy Spirit, and they say they can't control it. Now, listen close. I'm not going to be ugly. I'm just going to be honest. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to overtake your faculties and your physical power and make you do things. Now, listen. If the Holy Spirit wants to do that, he can do that. Don't get me wrong. But I find that strange moments or maybe unique moments don't occur as often as some people like you to think. Now listen close. I want to get off my notes. I want to stay close to this. People will say, I can't help it. I, I can't help but yell, scream, and run, and knock things over. I would actually handle it better if people said to me, this is just how I like to worship God. Okay, I can handle that. But when you drop the God card, nobody can challenge it. That's like when somebody comes up to me and says, Pastor, God said me and her is going to get married. And she's nuts. But when you drop the God card, come on, everybody, don't make me feel bad up here. When you drop the God card, nobody can correct it. Because it's your way of, Christians have a self-defense card, and it's called the God card. When you throw God said, God told me, God showed me, God, and nobody, it, it, with, it could be the most wise person can never speak into your life because you have the God card and really what it is, you're insecure and you're scared and you're not teachable. 
Now, this is just introductory. We got a lot to cover in the next few weeks. But if I was the Holy Spirit, if I were the Holy Spirit, think about this. Why, if I would just, if I could just make you do stuff, if I could just make you do stuff, like act out of your mind, why would I do that? If I'm gonna make you do stuff, why don't I make you think less lustful thoughts? If, I mean, if I'm gonna really make you do something and you're really gonna act like you can't control it, why can't the Holy Spirit just help you be more generous or to spend time with your kids or to be hungry for his word or to say no to the fifth helping of Oreos Ethan Boggs last night? Why? I killed him last night, gone. That's, that's why I can't button this today. But think about it. Doesn't that make sense to you? Now, I've been raised. I, I know there's pushback in the room and online. I've been raised in the extreme where nobody could control themselves. Now, hear me. Can the Holy Spirit do it? Absolutely. There's been times in my life where I remember I was prayed for by an African minister. And when he laid his hands on me, I'm not making this up, my legs felt like total water. And I could not stand, and I, lay, I had to lay on the ground. It was so powerful. The presence of God so touched me. But the Bible teaches everything should be done in decency and in order. So though it may be unique, it wasn't out of order. Did you catch that? When people are completely out of order in a service, I believe that the leadership of that church can look at that individual and say, hey, listen, we love you, we want you here, but I wanna help you, guide you, because this is making the Holy Spirit weird and you're freaking everybody out. Can I get a big amen right there? I would take, encourage me, because I'm freaking out a little bit. I'm not scared, I don't care. I'm just joking, I ain't scared to talk about this. I've been dealing with this my whole life. I've had to go through some things to deconstruct some of this in my own head and work through, because I just want the pure, unadulterated Holy Spirit in my own life, and if I gotta shed off the weird stuff to find it. All right, oh, we've probably lost 50, 40 families today. What do you think, Pastor Tyson? And you know, honestly, uh, and honestly, I'll, I'll tell you this, people are weird, and if they were weird with the Holy Spirit, they were probably weird before the Holy Spirit. But hear me today, there's also weird people at Walmart and you still go. Weird people at the gym and you still go. Weird people everywhere. So for those of you that are like, oh my, somebody just screamed a little too loud in here. Well, the Bible says to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. We get a little loud, we get a little rowdy, we clap a little bit, we praise God, but we ain't getting weird. Can I get an amen? All right. We don't need to throw the Holy Spirit out of the church because some people can do some strange things. As the pastor, I'm just doing my best to correct errors and remove these inaccurate ideas, and to maintain the power of God. And I believe that's completely biblical. We're gonna talk so, I am so excited about this series. I can't wait. Hmm, okay. 
Number one, poor representation of the Holy Spirit. Number two, incorrect information about the Holy Spirit. A lot of confusion around the topic because the Holy Spirit is so powerful um, and necessary. I think that the devil works hard to shroud it in misunderstanding. J.I. Uh, Packer once said, whenever God moves, Satan keeps pace. So there are some people that are taught the Holy Spirit is not for today. Some people are taught that. And other people are taught, if you start you know, getting into the Holy Spirit, you're gonna get, just like we said, it's gonna get strange, it's gonna make you talk in different languages. Be... Here's what I want people to understand. The devil is the father of lies, and he will twist scriptures. He did it with Jesus. He'll do it with us. And we gotta do our best to say, okay, God, what does your word teach about the Holy Spirit? Simple. I'm not gonna allow people to confuse me. I just wanna go to what the Holy Spirit says, what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. We should be in this. In fact, I'll tell you this, the book of Acts is 28 chapters. This month, we have 28 days left. I wanna encourage you, if you wanna get in your word, read the book of Acts. It's the actions of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. And you could read how the Holy Spirit moved in Acts chapter one, Acts chapter two, Acts chapter three, Acts chapter four, where there's miracles and signs and wonders. And I believe that the word of God is a blueprint for what he wants his church to look like. And we're gonna talk more about it. But if you wanna do that, I'm gonna be doing that this month. Are you guys still with me? Number one, poor representation of the Holy Spirit. Number two, incorrect information about the Holy Spirit. And number three, the most damning of all, personally satisfied without the Holy Spirit. All those scriptures I read that said Phil, Peter was filled, Stephen was filled, this individual was filled, Jesus was filled. You cannot fill something if it's already full. Many of us are just so occupied, so satisfied, that we are not interested in any more of the Holy Spirit. And I wanna close with a couple things, but I'll just tell you a little bit of my, to close, just some of my story. Now again, I don't like to preach myself very much. They teach you not to do that, but for the sake of helping you connect, I wanna help you, is that okay? Um, Again, many of you know I was raised in the Pentecostal church. I love my heritage, I love my roots. I'm so thankful for those old school uh, wild services. They were ridiculous, some of them were just outrageous. But I'm so thankful for my heritage, my background, that the, you know, the, the worship, they put such emphasis on worship, so much emphasis on moments with God. And, and I'm telling you, you cannot lose that. Cannot lose that. And I remember going to all these little storefronts and, and all these little revivals and all these little services and just served my dad and still does, preaches all over and going to all these little services. Well, I grew up seeing ex some extremes. Now, I can step into one of those services and it will not make me uncomfortable because I've been around it. But in my heart, I always think about people who are lost. I'm just sitting there thinking you're not reaching people that need 
Jesus because they just shut you off so quick. They don't know anything about what we're into right here. And so as I grew older and got into ministry and started studying the word for myself, I went through a season where I just kind of started to be like, this is, this is just too much. Where then, after some time, a couple years went by that I then began to drift away from, and I really felt that I was just moving in a direction that was more analytical, and I love reading and I'm thoughtful, or I try to be thoughtful, I should say. I try my best to, I just turned into Father, Son, Holy Bible. And it just became very dead, it became very analytical, it became very scholarly, it became very dry. And I realized that I wasn't praying like I used to, I wasn't as dependent on the Spirit as I used to be, and my preaching, and it felt different. The room started feeling different. The people weren't responding. I didn't feel the stir in the room like I did when I first started preaching and I lost something along the way. And I preached at it, and I may have shared this with you before, but I preached, we did a Thursday night service up home in Ohio. and I preached it and I knew while I'm preaching. I don't know how to describe it to you. Charles Spurgeon said, you can circle the pulpit and that's the place he feels the closest to God. I can tell you right now, there's nothing like when you're sharing the word of God with people. And, and, and I'm standing up there trying to minister and I felt alone, I felt dry. I felt like these were just notes I put together. Felt no power, no, no presence, nothing. People are listening, they clap, they laugh, they cheer. But I knew the difference. And my wife used to work at a bank and when she would count money, they said the more you handle the authentic cash, the moment fake cash comes through your hand, you don't gotta put it under a light, you don't gotta mark it with a marker. If you've handled the real for long enough, you know fake when you feel it. And I have been in the presence of God growing up my whole life. But that night I felt something different about me, it felt really fake, I felt like I just had just gone through motions and knew what people liked and knew the points that worked and knew. I got in the car, told my wife about it. She goes, well, you just, this is what she said to me, it's sweet little Lena. She looked at me and says, you just weren't anointed tonight. I was like. <laughs> my immediate flesh wanted to get mad. Like you don't know how hard I work. I'm the man of God. <laughs> the man of God. But here's the thing, I knew she was right. I knew she was right. And I'll never forget, I went to the house, soul searching and praying and like, oh my Lord, what's wrong with me? Have I sinned? Have I fa Couldn't figure it out. The next week, a pastor invited us to come to a service and as Pastor Marcus Meekham, who will be here in a few weeks for Revival Nights, he's really part of the reason I'm at this church, and you'll hear more of that story at Revival Nights. But he invited us, and a man named Jensen Franklin was preaching. And I'm on the second row, packed room, probably 3,500 people, and I'm sitting in the, in the room, and I'm, I'm in this season where I just needed... Um, like I didn't know where to go. I felt like I failed God. I felt like 
I wasn't anointed anymore, and Pastor Jensen got up there and preached, and he started preaching a sermon called The Seventh Hand. And it's, it's hard. I could never preach it like him. I could never even explain it to you. You should go home and research the sermon, but he preached on the seventh hand. And the premise was that in the time of the Bible days, how they measured things were with their forefingers on their arm, and it normally adds up to be six. If you did it right now, it's one, two, three, four, five, six. He says, when you build the temple, this is an Old Testament verse, he says, you gotta build it with the six, but with the seventh hand. And he preached on ministry in the church cannot be built with our man's ability. There has to be one more step, one more hand that you cannot account for that comes by simply the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, sitting in that room, that's a simple sermon, very simple. But I sat there and I felt to repent before God because I had lived my life in such extreme presence when I was a child and then begin to drift away from the things of God or the things of his spirit, I should say. And I began to stop living so dependent and I lost that seventh hand. In the second row of that service, I repented and told God I'd never do it again. I will never do that to you again. I, will I don't care if I preach in a prison, in churches, little churches, big churches, youth groups, overseas, I can't ever do that. Again, because I've preached with the anointing and I've preached without the anointing and trust me, the anointing is much, much better. The next day, I always had breakfast with my pastor at 8.30. And we met and I told him about the moment with God that I felt God and I was weeping on the second row. And I don't cry a lot unless it's God, but I was just weeping on the second row. And I told him, I felt God. I felt restored. I had to just get clean with God about it. I just had to, I needed the Holy Spirit. And I'm not even just talking about preaching. I'm, I'm talking about just living my life. I'm talking about just making decisions. I'm talking about just being married. I'm talking about just driving down the road. I need that life-giving fountain on the inside that just bubbles and moves and alive. And just something in me alive. And he made me tell the whole staff. He's like, I want you to tell the staff about this. I'm like, dude, come on, man. This is just between you and me, my pastor. And the next meeting wasn't the staff meeting and I told the staff and again it hit me one more time I looked at the staff and I said guys and I just wept and I don't know I'm so glad that's not on tape <laughs> I'm so glad that's not recorded but I wept and I repented openly I said I'm sorry that I have become so spirit deficient I'm, I was on my way to heaven I was on my way to eternal life I was saved, you see, but I had become so self-dependent and wept in front of the staff, repented to every one of them. And I've come to this conclusion, as long as we are content to live a life without the Holy Spirit, we will. Simple. Week number one, we need the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be one of the 380 that's missing. 
I don't want to be one of the 380 that doesn't emphasize the need of God's Spirit in my life. I want to be one of the 120 that's just open to God's Spirit and His leading and His unction and His nudging and His highlighting the Word of God. And I just want to be a, a dad. That's not being a dad in my own power. And when I'm trying to raise my kids, I, the Holy Spirit's giving us wisdom and leading us and guiding us. The Holy Spirit's for today. And the Holy Spirit wants to be in your life. And with eyes closed all over the room, if you say today, I just want to make room for the Holy Spirit in my life, right where you are, I want you to tell God, I make room today. I make room right now. I make room. I make room for you to move in my life. I make room for you to speak to me. I make room for you to minister. I make space. I prioritize you where the Spirit of the Lord is there's freedom if you're in the room and you say I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life that's the prayer today I want you to raise your hand to heaven say I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life thank you for those hands I'm not asking you to do anything weird all I'm doing is asking you to say God if this is for me I want a life and I want a spirit empowered, God filled, spirit led, spirit filled life. Will you stand with us all over the room? I was reading a really cool story in closing, I'll tell you this. Um, Charles Spurgeon, again, one of my favorite preachers, he said that um, they, they said that he would lead worship down on a lower stage for the church, a massive church in the early or late 1800s kind of thing. And when he would start to preach, he would take 15 steps up to the preaching pulpit where he would share the word of God. 15 steps. One, two, three, four, five. 15 steps from where he led worship to where he preached. Up a set of stairs. And Spurgeon is quoted saying that when he would leave the bottom stage for worship and he would step up to the preaching pulpit he would say every step 15 times, I believe in the Holy Spirit. 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 I believe in the, and every step, he was trying to get in his mind that I can't do this on my own. That's our heart today. That your steps that you took to get in here was your 15 steps. Saying to God, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Lead me today. Guide me today. Use me today. Make me who you want me to be. Make me who you desire me to be. Can I pray with you?
Father, I thank you for every individual in this room today. I sense that you are connecting the dots for somebody right now. And I pray a fresh wind, a fresh baptism, a fresh wave of the Spirit of God to go over their lives, over their homes, over their marriages, over their hearts. I pray that in Jesus, in Jesus' name. Come on, will you worship with us for just a moment? Come on, maybe you want to raise the hands to heaven. Just worship. Say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Not for, not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Drive us away. The Lord is in Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord is in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I love you, Jesus. The Lord is in this place. We love you, Jesus. The Lord is in this place. If you're in this room today and you have never said yes to Jesus or you've gotten away from him, I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus. I surrender my life. I put you first. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean with your blood. Make me a new person. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Are you thankful for the presence of God today, church? Come on, one more time. Are you thankful for the Holy Spirit today?